We're ready for the next patient. Welcome to the BL Clinic. My name is Sister Unity. I'm one of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Hello, I'm Jose, or Dr. Jose. Since this clinic needed a doctor, and I was the closest thing. I'm a fish doctor. The two of us are fans of the BL genre. Known as shonen ai in Japan, and boys love in English-speaking countries, BL is a genre from Asia that has been growing popularity in the last couple of years. So in this podcast, we will be giving diagnosis, prescriptions, and prognosis for BL series. We are two gay men with a penchant for male-male love stories. So join us as we explore the world of BL and as we tease apart and analyze BL series from a unique queer-centric perspective. So today we're going to talk about a recent epidemic that we have been observing here at, at the clinic. Uh, we have had a couple of complaints or patients coming in with this issue yo bro stop stop bro toxic masculinity you queer stop you, you like bitches you, you, you like bitches or dudes <laughs> american classic patois of toxic masculinity yes i think as gay men as gay men we deal with it a lot and as gay men we we're more aware of it as gay men As an out gay man for 57 years in the United States, it has ruled almost every day and hour of my existence in this country. I feared it through childhood into teenage years most intensely, and adulthood has been a transition into claiming my own power and fighting back against it both for myself and other people. Yes, and I actually look up the definition of toxic masculinity. The Google definition, I'm going to call it the Google definition, says that it is the adherence, adherence to traditional male gender roles that consequently stigmatize and limit the emotions boys and men may comfortably express while elevating other emotions such as anger. Uh, it is marked by economic, political, and social expectations that men seek and achieve dominance. And so what we, how come we're talking about toxic masculinity when we're talking about BL, because BL should be the opposite, right? BL should uh, reject heteronormativity. Uh, but what happens... After is, all, yeah. after all, it's two, it's two men in a relationship, and that's the opposite of what toxic masculinity would accept. However... However, Seme and the Uke serve as coding for masculine and feminine behavior, respectively. So yes. the uke is like a placeholder for the woman Women. in in a relationship, right? When we are watching a VL, we're watching like a basic romantic novel and and turn it into a homosexual novel, right? It's not about dealing with being gay. It's really just about two men falling in love. Which is weird because it is about being gay. It's like you can't get around that. Uh, certainly, Tohan uh, Chamlupi um, dealt with it more openly than many VLs. Yes. Um, and Filipino BLs deal with it more openly. Korean, Japanese less so, Korean a little 50-50. And Thai runs the gamut from dealing with it to not dealing with it. Yes. And you can find real rigid paradigms of masculine and feminine, even though they're same-sex relationships, in some Thai BLs, which we'll discuss. And you can find ones that are less rigid, and that even the notion of seme and uke are, are, are gray and muddled and not so rigid. Yes. Lately, in the last couple of, I would say, 
weeks, I have been seeing more and more ex examples of things that make me want to pull my hairs and yell and scream at the TV. You know, so yes, I don't know well, what's going get, on. Let's get to cases. Let's talk yes, about let's talk about all shows. cases. Yes, case. Let's where let's do we see this patients. toxic? Where do we see this toxic masculinity? Let's dive into what we're seeing lately. What has made us choose to co cover this topic on our podcast? And there's two series that come immediately to mind that have inspired us to do this. And one of them is Cutie Pie. And Dr. Fish, what's the other? Well, that we both agree. Uh, I, I mean, like, I just recently saw Cupid's Last Wish. And, and for me, episode one was full of it. <laughs> so, but the uh, other one that's been on for a while. That, oh, that not me. Agreed on. Uh, no, I disagree. I think that there is toxic masculinity in Not Me. But I believe that it is established as a, the basis for a character arc that moves the characters away from toxic masculinity. And we'll talk about a few other series that we redo that. But the other one that has annoyed both of us, according to the text you've been sending me, is um, besides Cutie Pie, is Secret Crush. Well, Secret, Secret Crush, Crush has had some issues. I wouldn't put it up there at the same level as Cutie Pie, though. I am putting it up there. Yeah. Shoving it through a court trial, <laughs> sending it to prison for toxic masculinity. Yeah, so I would like to hear what, what your thoughts are on that. But let's talk about the one that we definitely agree has been giving us very bad examples of it, which is Cutie Pie. So Cutie yeah. Pie, I mean, like, the whole series pretty much is is centered around this very toxic semis, right? So, so the two semis in this series are displaying behavior that if it was, if this was like my sister's boyfriend, for example, I would be screaming and I would be like saying, no, that's like dump the him. wrong person. Don't dump get married. Him! Yeah, dump him, yeah. Dump him immediately! <laughs> yeah, run! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a couple of examples series, like... For the for, for people who don't know, just a quick a description of what's going on in this series, if you haven't watched it. Yes. It's it's wealthy, all wealthy families. It's the young men, the scions of these wealthy families. And the lead couple is uh, an extremely wealthy family, has an extremely wealthy young son. And they've paired him with a, a sort of a friend who in turn grows up to become extremely wealthy himself. And he's made a promise to the grandfather of the family, the grandfather who was in a same-sex relationship. Same-sex relationship. Uh, and he's promised that he's going to marry this wealthy son. And he grows up uh, wealthy himself. And then the rest of it is really confusing, which we'll talk about when we review the series in general. Like the relationship and the way they're portraying it is very confusing about why they uh, love each other and don't love each other, why they come together and move apart. It's very confusing. But the, the important thing is that because the young man who was uh, made the promise to the grandfather is uh, extremely wealthy, he takes on this kind of CEO, corporate head kind of attitude. He has a driver who is sort of his henchman, who does everything he says, and he bosses around the extraordinarily wealthy and rather pliant and rather feminine UK. Now, they play with the UK, and the UK has a secret life in which he's a rock star, although he sings very sort of emotional ballad-type songs, but he plays the drums. And he rides a motorcycle, and he likes fast cars. So he has this weird combination of masculine signifiers and feminine signifiers. Every time he's with the boyfriend, the fiancé, he wears suits that are on the feminine side in sort of mm -hmm. colored patterns. Mm -hmm. His behavior is mm -hmm. absolutely uh, feminine, feminized. He is the pliant, docile young woman. 
Yes, I noticed that. And I was just watching the first episode again before we uh we recorded this. And I I noticed the same thing and I wrote a note about it that he likes fast cars. He likes things that are very masculine and you're right, like he almost switches. There is this like double life that he's leading. And and the thing Absolutely. about it that that that, you know, really strikes me is that it's not just that couple. There's another couple, the secondary couple. The secondary they, couple, yes. And they're like worst. So the one guy... <laughs> yes, they yeah. are worst! <laughs> yeah, it's another rich asshole and his yeah. best friends. Are they and brothers or are they best friends? I don't even know what they are, but they're like bossing... Like I, They're friends, I think, but they're like... But they haven't really cleared have, up that yet. They both have the name Hia. So well, Hia, the Hia, Hia, Hia is not a... Hia Hia. Not a yeah, Hia, Hia is not a name. Hia is a... Like, uh, what do they call that? Like, an honorific, uh, like, uh, yeah, it's a honorific that's used for oh. Chinese people, yeah, for Chinese, oh. Ch- Thai Chinese, yeah. Oh, so, oh, okay. So, so, the thing that drives me nuts about that second couple is that without we knowing anything about them, right? We just we know don't know why nothing. they like each other, yeah, we nothing. don't even know, yeah. And they, the guy is like bossing around the other. The uke basically the sema is bossing around yeah. the uke and the, the in in both cases the two semes are very very rich and he's yeah. bossing around the, the lead, uke and he makes the uke cry yes and the lead sema kidnaps the uke yeah yeah I mean it's just it's, oh, it's the uke is rich and he has his own house he has his own freaking house his own motorcycle his own rock star career like with an agent and gigs and he's a rock star but no no he gets kidnapped why. Like, does he call the police? Does he say, no, I'm not going with you? No, it's just force of will because the semi is so commanding and masculine, I guess. Yes. So this is what we, what we when we say toxic masculinity, and I, I, especially in the context of this series, is this kind of behavior that is, is really a behavior that normally we would not be very tolerate. happy, I think. We would not tolerate it if it was someone that we love that was engaged or had a relationship with this person, we wouldn't right. we wouldn't we wouldn't share that type of relationship. We wouldn't be uh encouraging our friends or our family, you know, to say, yeah, okay, go ahead and date this guy. We would critique it, we would condemn it, and we would try to help our friend get out of it because it's it's an abusive relationship. It's an abusive um, relationship, yes. And the thing about it is not just that they're toxic, char- the characters are engaged in the toxic behavior, it's that the show itself, the narrative voice, i.e. the director and the producers and the writer, are allowing it, tolerating it, welcoming it, creating it, and winking at it. They're, it's like, look what a dude he is. Isn't that uh, sexy? Yes, with his and sexy suits, his sexy cars, and his sexy power manipulation. And there's also there's and a conversation the... that that the two semis had, right? And the way they're talking about their ukes makes it sound like they're just objects, properties. Yeah, they're just like yeah. things that they are uh, talking about how they feel about them, but also how they plan to manipulate them or how they're going to yeah. use them. I wanted to talk about a couple of other series. Now, I mentioned Cupid's Last Wish, and I have to say, I haven't seen the entire series. And you had a very good point about Not Me that I want you to talk about, because I don't think, you know, we talk about it 
on the in the break room. Yeah, you talk about it in the break room. We were discussing. And by the way, you the stole my lunch out of the refrigerator. Oh, sorry. You owe me lunch. You stole my <laughs> lunch out of the refrigerator. <laughs> That's always fun to do. <laughs> so you were talking about this, but basically in in Cupid's Last Wish, it could be something that they're using to redeem the character. Yes. Mix's character, the name of the character is Win. This character, Win, he uh, gets very upset. And, and it, you know, when we talk about toxic masculinity, we have to also talk about how men deal with anger, right? And in his case, he is yelling at the two women in the, in the house, right? He's yelling at his mother. He's yelling at his sister. He grabs his sister, who does not want to go with him, puts her in the car. His mom is yelling and screaming. I mean, it was so uncomfortable for me to watch because I'm thinking, this is just wrong in so many levels. It, yes, it, and you're supposed to feel that way. Uh, it would just be toxic behavior, period. But the thing that makes it a moment, and I don't think it'll last for the whole series, but the thing that makes it tox uh, a toxic masculinity moment is the way that the story creators don't say a word about the fact that the male of the family does this to the women and the women don't answer back. Yes. So the daughter owns just as much stock in the company as the as his, as her brother who's mistreating her, but she doesn't stand up to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the mother doesn't say, how dare you speak to me, your mother, and your sister this way. They just stand there being the traditional role of a pliant female. Yes. Now, he'll learn his lesson. It'll be a character arc, but... Yeah, no, and I like how you how you put that. I mean, and I think it's, it's important to understand that that's what makes it uncomfortable to watch. That's what yeah. made me feel uncomfortable watching, is the fact that these characters, they're clearly going through uh, an injustice, but there is no acknowledgement of it. And I think that, that, that made it hard to watch. So, sometimes... Toxic masculinity is used in order to redeem the character, especially with Samus, that, that tends to be very common. They start toxic, dominant, and aggressive, and, and then the Uke sort of turns them around and makes them softer and more sensitive and more aware of their... Well, of their feelings, and it's the feeling of love. It is expressly the feeling of love, which is the context of all BLs, that is used uh, to open them up and to let them let go of it. Um, we saw that in Theory of Love, where um, oh, Bob's yeah. character was... Uh, I mean, he wasn't that butch of a masculine, but it was a to toxic masculinity in terms of um, hypersexuality towards women and uh, ignoring his male friend's feelings and just being like a dunderheaded, I-don't-have-to-pay-any-attention-to-my-relationships uh, male paradigm. And then it was realizing that he did have feelings of love that changed him utterly. Yeah, and another example we see a lot, I think, is jealousy. And I was thinking specifically of uh, Dark Blue Keys. In Dark Blue Keys, the semen, right. which is played by Tay, he's very jealous. He's like... He's, he's literally physically aggressive. Yeah, he's physically aggressive. Yeah, if I recall correctly, yeah. He pushes, I think he pushes. He bullies him, yeah. Yeah, he bullies him, yeah. And, but then in the end, he softens up and, and realizes that he needs to say things, that he needs to communicate, and that he needs to trust his partner. So yeah. I think I think that that was a, a, a really good one. And then in that one, you know, it's, it's another example of an uke being the one that's toxic. Because if you remember, there were two characters 
He was Gowing and he was he was the he was the semi in Chohan uh, Chonlati. Yes, yes, and he is actually the one who seems more in control. He's yes, uh, I would say he's more more mature. Yes, and, and but he's softer. He's and he's softer, yeah. And he but then the other guy, right, the one who I I I would assume is the Uke based on their dynamics. He's like getting into trouble. He's like getting into beating fights, people up. Yep. beating people up. And then in the end, he also has to soften up and decide that, hey, that's not the way that we solve problems because, you know, bring more right. problems up. So, use your yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, use your words. Use yes, your, yes. your feelings and your words. Right, so, right, right. So, but, but can we go back, though? I was thinking about this. Can we go back and look at examples of this in earlier BLs like Lovesick and Make It Right? Do we see toxicity uh the, yes, the toxicity yes. of the semi or, or the okay, we, you know. We see both kinds. We see transformed. I'm gonna I'm gonna name the disease. Uh, it's not a disease. The the beneficial condition, the one that heals naturally, is I'll call it transformed toxic masculinity. And then the one that drives us up the wall, makes us want to throw things at the television, is just plain old unsolved toxic masculinity. It's in the production, and 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 the and the writer, director, and producer are as guilty of it as the characters. And we can see examples of this throughout the last five years uh, of BLs, which is sort of the almost total history of BLs. <laughs> um, um, but uh, there's examples of both. Uh, there's a recent example. You and I were talking about this in uh, the recent series with Off and Gun, uh, our second one that deals with toxic masculinity in um, Not Me. And I think it's a, transform- a case of transformative toxic masculinity because Gun's character has both. He plays identical twins, and they're each examples of the uke with non-toxic masculinity and really non-masculinity. I mean, he's not too feminine, but he's not toxically masculine. And then his twin brother, Black, who is the epitome of toxic masculinity and who has inculcated the rest of his gang, including Off and the other characters, with it. And it, the, the story arc goes where Off, who is really the focus of, of, of the change, he goes from being a toxically masculine gang guy devoted to violence as, as a way to solve political problems, to being softened by his love for white and his belief in, trust in, both politically and emotionally, white and white's way. And white transforms that character, and then the, the whole nature of how the gang pursues their poli- politics changes because of the introduction of way. It, it, just as an interesting side note, that softer way is actually a codified part of Buddhism. It is called the way or the path of flowers. And it is a, a path for change, transformation, and it is seen as a strength. It's just that the quality of the strength is not aggressive. It is soft or patient or flower-like. Um, so we see that in Not Me. But let's go back, like you wanted to go back earlier and look at examples uh, in early BL. Yes, and I have one example, but it's actually not of a toxic semi, but just of a toxic masculine heterosexual character, and yes. that is in Lovesick. If you were, if you remember the very first episode of Lovesick that was so controversial because it was not a very good episode, the side couple uh, is Mon uh, Mon, and she goes out and then she sees him in a car with a woman, right, with a girl, because they're in high school, and she pulls, I think she pulls her out, and then she, like, gets angry at her, 
at the woman that Mon is with. But, you know, that's not her her responsibility, right? Like, the guy who has a, a, a commitment with her is Mon, right? But she gets angry, and she, like, starts... I forget if she hits her or she just yells at her. But then Mon gets out of the car, and he literally slaps her. Like, slaps her in the face. And As she, we in the United States have just learned, that is never appropriate. Yes, and she like, she's frozen, right, for a couple of seconds, but then she goes on like nothing happens, she just gets angry at him for being with the girl, and uh, nobody does anything, and it, nothing happens afterwards, it's, it's what you said, it's, it's the way that it's filmed, that they're not, the director and the production is not acknowledging that what happened was wrong. Right, there is no acknowledgement so that what happened. He was suffers wrong. no consequences for having no. slapped a woman. No, he slapped the woman and he still takes her home, and nobody says a thing, and she's not angry at him for that. You know, so it's very, very. Uh, oh, if it were me, the relationship would be over. Yeah, I mean that's just wrong, right? Um, now, in terms of a semi being uh, displaying these characteristics, I I feel like. Poon was not really toxic. Um, I think you will have to go to season two to see some of that toxicity with uh, with the secondary couple. Um, oh, what was the name? I should have looked at this uh, before, but the, the one that's played by Singh. Let's see, there is the Omic and Perwin. So Perwin. So the, the, the couple Per and the uh, of uh, Per who's played by Singh and then Win. Um Per is, is toxic. I don't know if you remember remember that, but he, he's the one that he's the one that has a neighbor that's gay and the neighbor falls in love with him. And then he gets upset and he's like he's a little bit toxic, I think, in that sense. And then he's the guy that 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 Win ends up with is also a, a very toxic semi. I don't know if you remember that, but those are early examples. I, I don't remember Win, but I do remember that Per had a whole toxic thing with this clearly coded gay Uke, and he humiliates him. Uh, yes, in fact, I believe he humiliates him for the whole school, and then and then he 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 changes and he he continues to be masculine. He just removes the toxicity and becomes humble. Uh, yeah. And you really see the strength of the Uke uh, uh, and the strength of the Uke's will to point out to him, like, no, you're not getting it. And so he has to figure it out and he has to change. And he does. And then he debases himself at the same, humbles himself, really, and at the same time proves his love when he goes on the public address system to declare his love for the Uke. So yes. that's, that was a, tra that's a that's a good case of transformative. Yeah, yeah, and I because I can't think of any except the one example I just gave with the heterosexual couple. I can't think of a semi being toxic. I think the first time, kind of chronologically, where I saw that, and I don't think it's transformative toxic masculinity, was with uh, Love by Chance. I think Love by Chance probably has the earliest example that I can think of was like a very toxic uh, semi and and just toxic relationships because mommy really likes those kinds of things and so any kind of mommy story is going to be like that like like rape which is sort of the ultimate expression of toxic masculinity you can find it dotted throughout many bls tarn type had it 
Yes, mommy. Um, I mean, he, again. he rates them in the he writes yeah, right. He write he rates them in the shower. Like yeah. I mean, they don't phrase it as rape, but it is definitely a rape. And the, and the the screwed up thing about it is that like it, it <laughs> it's a rape. He 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 performs fellatio on someone who is telling him to stop, and then it transforms into love and acceptance. Like what kind of crap is that? Like that is. Yeah. The toxic masculinity is not only in the character, it's in the producer and the writer and the director. Yeah, and let's not forget that there is vengeance. Sex is used as revenge, right? In in the case of the character of Long, where he does not want Tarn to be with this with his ex, right? And so he right. he rapes, rapes. He has the, he I mean has, has the, the ex rape, rape. Yeah. 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 And I mean like that the whole I mean, Tarn type is just full of those examples and again Mame just really has some kind of issues, I think. <laughs> well, he plays with he plays with social paradigms to create drama, but unfortunately, when he does that, he uh, subjects us to examples of rape and examples she. of toxic masculinity. She, sorry, yeah, uh, subjects us. <laughs> you notice how the person mm. practicing the toxic the, the toxic behavior. I'm assigning the male gender, yeah. like, it's, <laughs> like, yeah. like like it's a given. But um, yeah. so it, it's an interesting question now to ask why. Why? Why are males uh, given these these behaviors to portray? I think that that's a good question. I think part of it has to do with how we have to go again to what we said earlier about how BL is based on the idea of taking a heterosexual romance and just making it into a homosexual romance, and I think. In that process, a lot of those things that we see in a regular heterosexual romance get transpo- trans- translated, or tr- I, I want to say transposed into this, uh, into into BL. Now, having said yes. that, why do we see it in general? Well, I think part of it is our obsession with having these binaries of like a man should behave this way, the woman should behave that way. Well, here's that's. That's the whole thing, and and what you're saying is exactly correct because it relies on age-old gender paradigms, ones that are not even uh, participated in in modern society, but they still exist in our kind of fantasy and our storytelling uh, as as these paradigms. And so these authors, when they sit down to write out their fan fictions and their BL fictions, their manga and their yaoi, they are calling upon these age-old stereotypes to create a bodice ripper type uh, romance. And so there, it just happens to be two men because that is extremely titillating instead of the yada yada man and woman Wuthering Heights type bodice ripper. So it is a same sex, um, it is a same, let's see, how do, I, how do I want to put it? It is a heteronormative same sex relationship. It seems contradictory, but that's what his BL is. Like you said, the the uh, the the okay is a woman's role. It just happens to be played by a male, um, and that's the, that's the whole titillation of it. So while they're doing that, they're applying. They're going, okay, what is the romantic paradigm that has a lot of drama and is real juicy that I can get put these two men through? And they go to all of those old tropes, stereotypes, and behaviors, which includes toxic masculine roles. I'm the man, I'm rich and I'm powerful and my way, it's like 50 shades of gray. My, yeah. my will goes and I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to determine how the love goes and I'm going to treat this person this way and it'll be romantic because I'm in control. And then the, the poor Uke has to live out this weird role of, uh, I'm soft, 
I'm feminine, I'm emotional, and so I do what the what the strong he-man says, and isn't it lovely and romantic? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, and, and to some degree what we're discussing here is almost the opposite of what we had discussed earlier in another podcast where we look at the Uke reticence, right? It is exactly right. the opposite, you know, where, whereas the Uke plays this feminine role, uh, the role of a woman in the relationship, the Seme plays the man, and in order to contrast those behaviors or those contrast those two uh, characters types, then we have this idea of, of having the man being very masculine, very manly, very controlling. And I would say where we usually see it is with the jealousy kind of thing. A lot of times that's that's what be, that's what uh, becomes toxic. We saw it on Together this series. Uh, we saw it on. Uh, Can you describe that? Because I don't, I don't know that I agree that there's toxic masculinity in together. There is in, the, in one of the side couples, um, uh, the ones uh, I can't remember their names, but they're the ones that the, he's the head of the music club, uh, and he's keeping his relationship with the very effeminate um, guy who was chasing uh, Win at the beginning. Uh, time well, at the beginning. you know, he, it's, he's it's toxically very, masculine. I think Sarawat is is very. So first of all, I think Sarawat is very toxic in the in the book, right? But in the in the series, everything is kind of toned down, and so it's very subtle, right? And so in the series, I remember the one thing that turned me off about Sarawat is this is one scene in which Sarawat tells Tyne to remove the makeup because like Tyne has like makeup on. Because he's gonna do, I forget if he's gonna do a shoot or if, or if he ha- it's part of the cheerleading thing, and he has all this makeup on and he looks really good. And I think Sarawat goes and says, "Oh, you should not do that," and like removes the makeup and like just starts treating him like he owns time, right? And that there's this moment in this series in the beginning, Sarawat is very like, "Oh my God, I love time and everything," and then all of a sudden it switches and he. He's very jealous, right? And so he behaves like he owns time. And I think that's what I mean when I say there yeah. is toxicity. I know what you're saying. And maybe it was in the book. I didn't get it from the series at all. I do remember that makeup moment. And it did seem controlling. But then I thought that they saved it later because he says, you don't need it. You're so beautiful. And it wasn't like he's controlling him because he's controlling him. It was like, no, he's um, he's controlling the situation because he sees an aesthetic corruption and he prevents it. Yeah, maybe. But the other thing I didn't like uh, about that whole thing, because that's that's that there's a whole thing that happens right on the second, let's say the second half of the of the series. But if you remember, uh, Sarawat's jealous behavior was pretty uh, toxic in that sense, and he was behaving to me. It. He was behaving like he owned time like that's okay, what give, i didn't give, like give me examples because i'm not i'm not coming up with it oh i think when he went to the hospital to pick up uh time i think time wanted to go with the other guy and with oh, something of like that that's not toxic masculinity well oh, no, but he that's, but he, that's territorial that the other guy was uh criminally corruptly fiendishly after time and uh and he was protecting time from it yeah, but it just felt like this. This is where I have a problem, right? My my point is, and so here's another thing. Maybe you and I can disagree on this, but I like it when the Uke has agency, and I felt like Time was really a really strong character all the way throughout half of the uh, of the series. 
and then he becomes someone that doesn't have agency. He can no longer decide who he wants to go with. I mean, the point is that Tyne doesn't uh, owe we, anything to Sarawat. Like, no, we Tyne could go with whoever he wants, you know? No, we disagree. We totally, I, I didn't have that experience at all. I found Tom with agency from start to finish. Um, he the only time he didn't have agency when he was when he was like weak and unconscious because he'd been in the hospital. But uh, you, you and I had very different experiences of that of the second. We're gonna have to watch this series again together. To we we sure. have to watch sure. together together. Sure, sure. <laughs> that sounds that because, sounds fun. Yeah, because yeah, because uh, I can point out things while we're watching, and maybe you will see the same things, or maybe we'll see the same these or, same things maybe, shown differently, or maybe you, will, or maybe I will. Yeah, who yes, knows? yes, but, yeah. The, the but um, scales will fall from your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Because I <laughs> yeah, think I think we we have talked about this before, and you have always told me that I should watch. Uh, the second season because oh, I yeah, never still together is much better than you than because the first you told season. me yeah it is better and Sarawat yeah. is a better character and you know and all that because I I was like I mean I was one of those guys that was so into Sarawat and you know and then I just got upset yeah so any other series that you might want to mention I mean I I want to say I want to say uh for me I would add Waterboy. Yeah, that was one of the two. Oh yeah, okay. And, and there is the series in the movie. Yeah. Where the series, I think, had uh, a redeeming. It tried to redeem the character. Yes, it did. Um, it, yes, it did. And so it had that redeeming, redeeming quality, you know. So you had the, the right. toxic, toxic semi and becoming a less toxic semi. But right. I felt like the movie. Two of I them. Two. Uh, the the side the side character as well as the lead character. Yeah, the movie didn't do that though. I feel like the movie, in that sense, didn't do that. It just the, the character was toxic in the beginning. He became softer by the end, but I don't think it was clear to me that he had necessarily changed as much as he just had. I mean, maybe he had changed a little bit, but uh, you're you're gonna yeah. have to make a lot of popcorn because we're gonna have to watch this one together too. Because I, yeah. I I disagree with you here. I think that the whole point of the movie was that he changed. I think he yeah. changed uh, 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 and accepted uh, homosexuality, accepted his same-sex attraction, and accepted his father's same-sex attraction, and he became humble uh, and let go of his toxic, boyish butchness in order to be with uh, the, the guy he loved. Um, and the big turnaround, the example that he had changed was after the guy had left, uh, he went back home and he apologized to his father and he started to express love and gratitude to his father and accept his father for his failings and accept his father for his no, uh, no you're right his you're emotions right and his humanity no, no you're right i don't have to rewatch that i i have watched it already <laughs> okay. twice and i think okay. i i agree with you in that i only I just, twice yeah and i'm thinking after after the passing of beam i i was thinking of watching it again but i'm thinking oh that's my god right. that's gonna be hard to watch it is uh, beam was so beautiful in that so role beautiful man yeah. Beautiful, beautiful man. And dear listeners, if you don't know who we're talking about, please go and look up uh, the actor Beam. Uh, look up his work in Waterboys, the movie. It's uh, a lovely, lovely portrayal. He was a lovely, lovely man. He didn't go on and do more BLs. He went on and did uh, straight dramas. Um, but uh, he's an actor. Uh, that was his art. And um, and I'm very, very, I myself cried when I, I learned that he had died. I was, I was, it affected me uh, a little bit because I just had come back from Puerto Rico having uh, buried my, yeah. my cousin 
who also died young. And so seeing this, like, it affected me. And, and then, you know, people are saying he died from uh, sudden uh, death, uh, cardiac death, pretty much, sudden, sudden arrhythmia. My husband being Hmong, you know, is, is, there's a connection there because Hmong people, like, like, like sudden uh, death syndrome was first seen in Hmong and Lao people. So it's a very common thing, or a little bit more common in Southeast Asians, right? And I, I told my husband about it, and I said, you know, like, this happens, like, normally in people in their 20s, you know, so you're probably safe because you're now in your, your late 30s, um, almost early 40s now. But but it's sad, and uh, it touched me, and uh, and I, you know, I, I recently, as a couple of months ago, I remember having looked him up and having watched uh, a scene with him because I was so... You know, because I really like him, so I wanted yeah. to see him. You he, know. he has beautiful yeah. eyes, he has oh, yeah. beautiful lips, and he has this demeanor of sort of quiet strength that is so appealing and so peaceful to watch. Yeah, so very sad, very sad. And then the other sad news. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I might put this in the beginning. Um, you know, when we talk a little bit about news, but the other the other sad news that happened that's connected to Waterboy, the movie, is that boy some 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 pop came out saying that he had stage three colon cancer who was and that the singer the singer who sang the theme to waterboy and lovesick and uh until we meet again wow. yes boy boy developed stage three cancer he's only 33 i think well he's young he's strong yeah. stage three is not stage four let yes. us hope let us send our prayers and our good wishes to him and hope that he is able to beat this. Yes, and I and I have, uh, you know, I, I look it up and I, it, it is, it, it, it has a good prognosis overall, so I hope he, he gets better. Yeah. Um, but it, it was shocking. And I think I think the thing is now when I watch Waterboy, the movie, it will be a little bit different of an experience for me, uh, yeah. knowing, knowing these two uh things that that make me sad you know um but anyway uh so, so there's one more yeah. series that i'd like to discuss and yes. this is the one where you may disagree with me because we were saying at the beginning that uh secret crush on you you were saying you didn't see that it had much toxic masculinity and i think i know why you say that because the characters the two semis uh do soften as the series goes forward but for me they're still in a position, the whole setup has mm -hmm. them in that position of the rich boys who get their way, the rich boys uh, who uh, are strong and confident, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. they're community leaders, and even though the, the secondary one is kind of a goofy, chipper guy, he's still the boy next door. He's still the heteronormative boy, even though he's in the same sex relationship. And the Ukes are the shy, retiring um, mincing, nothing. There's nothing wrong with mincing, but they're still put in the position of the woman in a way that I find a little heavy-handed. Yeah, and I would call that not necessarily toxic masculinity, but very strongly heteronormative. Yes, the reason I put it in the category of toxic, and you're right, their behavior is not very bullying or damaging to the UKs. It's actually quite loving, 
But the reason that I think of it as toxic is not on their part as much as uh, as what they represent, and definitely on the part of the producers, writers, director. And that is that they're giving us a romantic paradigm, a romantic ideal for us to fall in love with and get all heart swollen over. And it's one where the one that behaves like the boy next door, the normal guy, is in power and masculine, and it approves that stereotype, that old gender role model, and then the 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 ukes who are so feminine are goofy, and we're supposed to be giggling and laughing at their goofiness. One sort of coyly making weird breathy noises. Uh, he's got a mushroom haircut and funny glasses, and we're supposed to think it's cute but nerdy and in a goofy way with some, some comedy to it. Yeah, um, feminine. And, and uh, yeah, and the feminine can be absolutely stunningly beautiful. An example would be in Until We Meet Again, Fluke's character is feminine. And the way he makes those beautiful colored little floral desserts is very feminine, but it is taken seriously and it is honored and he is played as a character with integrity and and his own strength uh, as well as being feminine. That is an opposite example than what they're doing in Secret Crush, where they're sort of made fun of a little bit. I mean, they fall in love, so you love them, but they're also made fools of at various times as well. Um, And and the... um, the contrast with this sort of like boy next door normal behavior for the more masculine role, I think that setting up that paradigm is a bit toxic, a thing to do culturally. That's what no, I'm and I, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think you're right because the the I think with the main couple is not as big of an issue, but with the secondary couple, yeah, it is like a big issue because yeah. the I don't know if you remember this, but the the guy, the and I can't remember his name, but the the Uke, right in the second in the secondary right. couple, he does not want to be with the semi. The semi just keeps pushing and pushing and saying, right. "Oh, you know, right. blah blah blah, you're gonna be with me." Like it, it is that is toxic masculinity at its that's that's the definition right there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and he does uh, change. Yeah. Like episode, what is the last yeah. one we had? Seven, eight. He does change, but we don't know why. We don't know why, What is, we never get in on his thought process. He never says, well, you know, he actually is kind of sweet, or, you know, he does take good care of me, or he's so insistent, maybe I'll rethink. He, we don't hear any of that. All of a sudden, he just, like, uh, he's given something, and all of a sudden, he takes it, and he smiles, and, like, he's changed, with no explanation. Which, which what that, you know, in a, in a, in a heterosexual uh, drama, right? When we see that, you know, right. I always criticize that because what that me- the message that sends is that if a man is insistent and persistent yes. and 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 persists, right, the yeah. woman will eventually fall for him because and she's that's supposed wrong. to. Yes, yeah, and it's just out of thin air, like she's just supposed yeah. to. It's so like, oh well, you knew it was going to happen because the guy was pushing, and then guys, you know, that's how it goes. Well, that's not realistic, and that's not real life, and it's disempowering to either the gay male in the UK role or the or, or a woman. It's unfair. Give yeah. us, and you know what? It's not good storytelling. Give us their thought process. Give us what the reason for the change is. That's interesting. That's drama. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. I think that we see that a lot in BL, but for some reason I yeah. can't think of other examples right now, oh, but oh, I know uh, that we see it no, a lot. We've already talked about it in, in Cutie Pie. We don't know why they're together. Well, no, no. What I mean, examples of where the seme is insistent and persistent and makes the yeah. uke change, and then yeah. the uke all of a sudden says, oh, I like you. I mean, you, to some degree, okay. you, you gave Make one example, right. which is uh, Tarn type. 
Yep. Oh, make it right. Oh yeah, make, make it right. It right. Book yeah. and frame. Yeah. Book and frame. Yeah, book and I frame. mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's a little more. There's a little more storytelling. Like when they hook up in the hotel. Like, um, it's. A, I mean, it's a little rapey, but it's not not too bad. Um, and, and they do some explaining. Like you can see why. You can see that book is warming up to frame. And that you can certainly see, because it's own poet, you can certainly see the charms that Frame holds for Book. Uh, like anyone in the right mind would fall for for own poet, uh, yeah. you know, in, in whatever situation. So, so it's not as bad, but it it is, uh, it is a, a sort of the same thing with push, push, push. Oh, now you like me. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think if I recall correctly, I think that Frame's attitude was like. Oh, you're gonna like me, you know, like you're gonna fall for me. I'm gonna make you fall for me, you know. That was Frame's attitude. So, uh, no, you're right. That that's a good example of that. And I'm sure there are other other examples. But yes, uh, you said tarn type, and I think you're exactly right. Tarn type would be one where that happens. Yeah. In that case, we don't really get at least in the series, we don't get the inner, we don't get to get right. go into the right. head of Tarn to know. Right, yeah, he because he wants Type to fall for him, but we yeah. get the idea that Type doesn't like him, but eventually right. he likes him. <laughs> he hates him. Right, right. right. He gets a blowjob and he changes his mind. Like, yeah, yeah apparently, yeah. So forcing sex on someone changes yeah. their their mind. Yeah. I mean, there are series there are series that 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 start that way, but then they show that the pushy semi does things to support, believe in. Uh, and and and, um, and and to uplift the the UK, and so the UK comes around. That's good storytelling. That gives us a, a why. That gives us a reason. So let's let's think of series now. I think we have touched on this, but I don't think I have at least mentioned any particular one. But where the opposite is true, where we see a very healthy relationship develop, blossom, and we we don't see. Maybe there is a little bit of toxicity in the semi or the UK, but we don't really see that toxic masculinity being kind of front and center, or it doesn't play an important role. I will give you three right off the top of my head. And they're not Thai, they're Filipino and Japanese. Game Boys, Boys Lockdown, and Cherry Magic. In those, the there, there were kind of some semi and UK going on. Uh, in, the, in the Filipino ones, maybe not so much. Uh, they're a little more equal in uh, Game Boys. Um, but whether semi Uke or not, each partner was infatuated, head over heels, giggly. Um, the power dynamic was very equal. In Game Boys, it went back and forth. Um, uh, who was in charge or who was together and who was uh, freaking out. It went, it was shared, it was back and forth. Boys locked down. Uh, uh, there was a little more of a semi Uke, but they, they, they shared it equally. They were equally giggly, equally batting their eyelashes. Cherry Magic 2, uh, uh, there was one who seemed more in control of himself and one who was kind of like a flippity gibbet. Um, but they were both very kind to each other, uh, very supportive of each other with no manipulation. So those are my three. What are your two? So I was thinking of Thai series. I think if I had to go to Thai, uh, non-Thai series, I would agree with Game Boys and Boys Lockdown. I, I think especially Boys Lockdown because Boys Lockdown, yes. it's, it's a really nice romantic story story that has almost nothing toxic about it. I mean, I can't think of yes. anything that toxic about that relationship. That's why I loved it, it so yeah. much. It was yeah. just a beautiful relationship and a beautiful series and just simple. Yep. But in the case of Tybiel, there's very few that I can think of, right, that don't have 
any toxicity at all or that the toxicity is not front and center. I would say that that bad body is one where yeah. you see the semi uh, being a little bit toxic, let's say, in the beginning, but it's really not front and center. And it, you kind of understand that there is a, a, a an inner a struggle, an inner uh, torment. You know, he's tormented inside that he's dealing with a lot of uh, issues. I think they all have toxic masculinity. I think they all, both of both of the sets of friends have toxic masculinity in the sense that they're they're bros and kicking ass is what they do. Like you and I used to, uh, as the series began, we were expressing. We complain about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, that's true. Yeah, they were like, "Dude, you're in college. You're gonna get you if you keep like with this attitude of fighting people just that you hate just yeah. because they're in engineering. You're gonna get kicked out of college. This is stupid." So it was toxic masculinity in, in on display, but it wasn't relationship toxic masculinity. Yeah, it wasn't front and center in the terms of the couple, right? So the couple right, itself. Right. right. In fact, it was a perfect example of how the couple lacked it and how they had a very beautiful power dynamic between them that was shared. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to think of one that doesn't have any, in, even in the secondary couples, like in especially for Thailand. I just, I can't think of any. Uh, I was thinking right now as, as we're talking about uh, my tea, maybe. Until oh, I haven't. Can. Yeah. Aha! Uh -huh. Need to watch. I know. Uh -huh. <laughs> Reader, dear listeners, we've discovered his weakness. He hasn't <laughs> seen one of the greatest series of the last three years. I know. That's one I have to watch. Yeah, no, check I it out. I don't mind this. Check yeah. it out and see what you tell me when you watch it. Tell me what you think because I think it. I mean, it has some masculinity. It has a semi-uke, definitely a hard-coded semi-uke relationship. But I don't think it's toxic. Yeah, I, I, I mean, mention the parents are toxically masculine. Yeah, the problem is that with Tyrell is that there is always some toxic masculinity somewhere. Yes, yes. It's not, that, that's it's a whole other subject. Made. Yeah, yeah. Toxic masculine parents, and it was Dark Blue Kiss and Lovely Writer that undid the toxic masculinity of the fathers in the relationship. In the Dark Blue Kiss, the father accepted their relationship and was supportive. And even more so in Lovely Writer, the father came out. And the father was like, well, I was hard on you because I'm hard on myself. And it was a brilliant moment. You and I uh, uh, talked to each other about how, how it was a really revelatory moment in Thai BL to have the, the father unveiled in that way. But then I, I think that in, in Lovely Writer, which I can't think right now of a very strong example of toxic masculinity, but I bet that if I sit down and look at it again, I'm going to find one. The father. On the secondary the characters, yeah. Up, up's father uh, until he changes was toxically masculine. Yeah. So there is, that's, that's the issue. So that brings me, one of the questions that I had uh, drawn up for today was actually, do we see a difference between the different countries, right? So the, the Thailand versus Japan versus um, versus the Philippines, and I think we have just answered that, right? So when we yes. look at the Philippines, we rare, rarely see this uh, problematic toxic masculinity as much as we see it in Thailand. In Thailand, it's very prevalent. I, in, uh, my, in my viewing, it's Japan, the Philippines, and Taiwan have less toxic masculinity. Uh, Vietnam, Thailand and Korea, South Korea, have more toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah, Korea, yeah, yeah. Korea, give like yes and no depends on the series, but it is there. Now you're right. Vietnam is is almost the same as uh, as, as, Thailand. as Thailand. That's right. Yeah. Now I was gonna mention there's one series that you haven't watched, which 
hasn't finished for, for now. I haven't seen examples of like toxic masculinity, and that is Rack Diao. The semi in that is, I mean, I don't know if he's openly gay in the early episodes, but like we know he's, we know he's very comfortable in himself, and it's it's an example of positive masculinity, yes. where he is strong, oh, yeah, centered, yeah, yeah. grounded, self confident, but not abusive. He manipulates the sort of goofy guy who's going to fall in love with him, but in a way that is not toxic, in a way that has more to do with the other guy's, not toxicity, but his sort of errant behavior, his bad boy behavior, uh, and the fact that he's being a rascal, but it's not toxic. I I thought of another series, you'll kick yourself when I say it, because I don't think there's any toxic masculinity in the main couple, and I can't think of any toxic masculinity in the series. Um, I told Sunset about you? Exactly. That, yeah. and, uh, that and I promised, you, I promised to moon you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think the couple, like, we, we talk about this a lot when we discuss this series in our previous podcast, which if you're listening to this and you ha- don't know, we actually did a whole one hour of talking about this series. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the the problem is that, I don't know, like, yes, yes what? and no. I think, I think, I think I agree. I, I, I have to kind of think about it a bit harder with... Neither with, character is yeah. a toxically masculine character. However, there is a toxic masculinity in one of its forms plays a central role in their relationship in the first season, and that is the uh, homophobia and the self-homophobia of one of the characters of um, before he comes out. He hurts his partner by pulling away again because he can't deal with his own homosexuality. And that is an endemic symptom of, of toxic masculinity, even though his character lacks a lot of the other symptoms of toxic masculinity. You wouldn't call him toxically masculine, but that one thread that is an important part of the plot, an important part of his character arc, is something that is found in toxic masculinity. So there's a drop of it. Yeah, I, I just the the problem I have with uh with Tess specifically is that he did a couple of things that were not maybe you know, when we look at the definition of, of toxic masculinity, right? Let's see. It is the adherence to traditional male gender roles. I feel like he tried to to stick to traditional gender roles to some yes, degree. That's what I said. And that's my only issue, but 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 as you said... The, That's what the, I said. Yeah, okay. Yeah, w- like when he was trying to still be straight, right? Uh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And and that that's, that's about the only thing thing I can see there. But, but they I do... Uh, one thing about here, this uh, series, is that any kind of issue that, that Ted had, in the end, Ted redeems himself, and so at least there is that. Uh, the viewer, you know, when when the viewer is looking at this series, I feel like Ted's behavior, the the toxicity, right, the toxic masculinity that he displays, is there is judgment, right? Like we are judging it. We are made to hate him. Uh, you know, with with you know the way this series is uh, is written and the way it's is uh, shown, right? We we don't like him. We don't like him precisely because of that. Correct, correct. It is another example of transformative toxic masculinity in a in a story. Even even more so, I think, than any other series. I told Sunset about you. Really makes you feel angry 
at at the character because I think even in Tonghon Shonlati, you don't feel that angry for the toxicity that you see. And that's another series that has a lot of toxic masculinity, by the way, uh, in so many forms. <laughs> like you know, you know like, and it's so just, many you don't feel talk and you don't feel angry at it in Theory of Love either. You, you think yeah. you think Off's character is is uh, Kai. You think Kai's an idiot uh, to be missing, you know, good love from adorable Gun. But yeah, you don't you don't you're not you're not screaming at it. But Tohan Chanlati does have a toxic masculinity that you do uh, get angry at, and that is once again the homophobic, homophobic father figure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking more in the beginning, you know, like when, for example, when um, when yeah, Tohan yeah. takes Sean to the to the uh, to to see the prostitutes, you know, like oh, that whole thing right. is so Jesus wrong Christ. in so many levels. So wrong, so weird. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> Right, right, and that was one of the that was one of the weird things uh, structurally about that about that series because by the end of the series you find out that he loved Sean the whole time from the time yeah. that they were kids and then so you're like well then what was the whole behavior where he took them to the prostitutes and treated him like 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 an asshole <laughs> yeah like, yeah and he treated women like objects I mean like that's yeah, the whole it thing make I mean sense. Like, oh god and then. And then, like with the with the lady that lives with them, and then the gay couple, like making her like like uh, a surrogate, and and how right, this right. whole thing was so, so weird. So yeah. Toxic masculinity on the on the on on the part of either the makers of the story or on the part perhaps of Thai society itself that made a story in which that was normal. That yeah. is toxic, in my opinion. Yeah, I but mean, I, I yeah, I think I think Thai culture, you know, from from what we can see, and you know, remember, uh, as we, I I want to remind our listeners that, you know, we are two queer men from the United States, and and we know, uh, we don't know as as, I would I want to say we know more about Asian culture and Asian customs than probably most average Americans. But we don't live there, and we don't, uh, you know, we're not part of the culture, right? So we cannot really judge it. But from I don't what... know. We both... Never mind. It's going to say something awful. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> but uh, I, know, I know what you were going to say. <laughs> white guy stopped himself in, in his tracks. Yeah. But, um, but from what we can see, looking at, at BL series... I would say that Thai society is a little bit behind in terms behind the U.S. behind Western societies in terms of uh, male and female uh, equality. Well, it is true. The U.S. has always been and is certainly now after Donald Trump uh, rife with and troubled by at our at our high, deepest levels and certainly politically by toxic masculinity. The uh, oh, yeah, yeah, boys, yeah. the Boogaloo boys, and the Proud boys are the absolute political epitome of toxic masculinity, and it troubles our society. To say, Vladimir Putin is an eminent example of toxic masculinity in its ultimate form, in invading another country and slaughtering its people, its women, and its children. That is the nth degree paradigm of toxic masculinity. That's as toxic as it gets. Literally, it's toxic. Um, so, yes. uh, so that exists, and and the, the the kind that we're discussing in Thai society that abets stories in which toxic, toxic, toxically masculine roles are portrayed without anyone objecting, uh, 
um, is sort of a, a soft toxicity, but it, it's still a danger. We feel still a dangerous one. Yeah, well, let me let me be clear though, and I I should I should have said this earlier that as recently as at least I want to say a couple of years ago, so maybe like five years ago, uh, when I was teaching, you know, and I would look at at the media, right, and I would look at things like series and shows uh, on you know popular series, popular shows. Uh, Two Bro Girls com- comes to mind. Uh, there are many examples in the Western media, in the U.S. at least, of yeah. toxic masculinity being shown on TV as just a normal thing. And the, the best yeah. example I can give you, uh, which we just talked about in, in Thai series, is the idea that a guy likes a girl and therefore he's going to go for it even if the girl doesn't like him. And we see that on Disney movies, we see it on Disney series. So it's being shown to kids. So, I mean, it is everywhere. So to some degree, Thai society is two, not two unique. Men, two yeah. men and a baby. Two men and a baby was based on it. Charlie Sheen's character. Um, oh, yeah. Of, oh, of constantly yeah. getting the women just because he's him. And, yeah, yeah. and then the and uh, John Cryer's character not getting the women because he's, he's not many, masculine yeah, in the right yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's absolutely the epitome of it. Yeah. yeah. No, there are many examples. So I, I think I would back track on the fact that I said that maybe Thai society, you know, is a little bit behind the U.S. in that sense. No, that's not true. Um, I think that, that well, they're both equally, equally problematic. They just have different issues, right? But, well, Thai yeah. society, what, the impression that you and I get from the show, the Thai shows that we watch, which are more than most Americans, but uh, certainly we are not in Thailand or Thai. Um, but the impression that we get is that Thai society is okay, the majority of Thai society, and even parts of Thai gay society, are okay with these codified gender roles. Yes. And in the U.S., while you all while you find the toxic gender roles promulgated, you also find the pushback. Hollywood has changed. Women make stories. People of color make stories. Queer people make stories in which uh, the, anti- the, the opposite of toxic masculinity is centered and promoted so the u.s has a little more of the of the cultural revolution has sunk into its popular culture than you and i are you and i are seeing at a distance from the bls that we're watching from thailand yeah it would be great if someone who knows thailand better than we can come up with some of the examples that disprove what we're saying that show that thai society or that there are significant portions of thai society that do turn the gender roles on their head that do um, expose the fallacy of the gender roles that support and promulgate toxic masculinity. Yeah, and I that's a very tough question for someone that's not there to answer. Yeah, so we cannot answer that. But it would be interesting if we could. But but we, uh, are, we would love to be shown. Oh, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Now, I was going to say something interesting that, that I thought about now while I was, while you were saying that is that... You are pregnant. No, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that the that the uh, <clears throat> the the words in Thai for boyfriend, right? So in in English we say. Fan. Well, in English we say boyfriend, right? So I can say and girlfriend, yeah. Partner, I can say boyfriend. I can say uh, husband. Husband, right? So we have all these words in Thai. Apparently, for gay couples, they tend to use wife 
wifey and hobby are the, the words they pretty much the, 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 really? the yeah that's how they're translated right I, i've seen i've seen it in dl but i've also seen people uh, thai people pushing back on it and saying look enough with that that's uh unpleasant. yes oh yes and that that's a good example of that is bad body so in bad body uh back out who's the director he's gay right. he has a right. partner and he purposely tried to put uh, a couple of uh, examples, right? A couple of scenes in the series in which you couldn't really tell who's the same and the UK based on... And by, well, on in fact, by, they, you know. they explicitly say, their lines in the script say, uh, uh, no, let's not do the wifey, the husband and wifey thing. Don't call yeah. wife. Yeah, exactly. So so he's trying... I think there's a segment... There's definitely 100% sure there's a segment within the Thai gay community that's pushing back on that. But yeah. in general, I, when you, when you're, and I try to explain this to people, like when you are looking at a VL and you're looking at the subs and it says uh, wifey or hobby, right? It's translating a word that that's how they translate it, but it's really not saying that those are the roles. It's not saying that that's the wife, literally, right? It's just, it's just like a, like a endearing a term of endearment yeah. that is used in Thailand for in gay couples traditionally. I don't know if that has changed, but traditionally used, and that's what it's referring to. It's how not referring you know to the roles. How did how did you come to know that? Uh, I watch a YouTuber who's Thai, and he she explained that. I huh. could I could look up the the uh, her name is like. Busilerang or something. She's a very well-known YouTuber. Uh-huh. And uh huh. She's uh, sort of an expert on Thai popular Thai gay popular culture. And well, she reads a lot of BL, and she was talking about the translation of those terms. Uh-huh. And she said that that's like when people read people. Basically, what she was saying is people read too much into it that they should not read that much into it. It's not really saying that's literally the wife and the husband. Yeah. And so that's that sounds literally... more like BL culture than Thai gay culture. Um, I don't know, but I it seemed, I remember her clearly saying that, that that's like a term used that gay people use. In BL? I don't know if she's part of the gay community or she has gay friends. I don't know. We should... uh. Yeah. But yeah, I could, I can, I can forward you the, the YouTube video. I have to look it up. But I used to, I used to watch her a lot when, uh, when Tarn Time came came out. And she's she's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she reads a lot of BL. That's all I know. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so any any final thoughts? Yes. Concluding Tox- remarks. Toxic masculinity does not lead to long term relationship success or it's, and it's not enjoyable for most of us watching these BL stories that you're making. Yeah, I I think that sometimes it can make me uncomfortable watching, like in the case of Lovesick, yep. when Mon slap more in the case of uh, Cupid slash Wish, when... Cutie Pie. Yeah, Cutie Pie, Cutie Pie annoys me. At times unwatchable for Yeah, him. I mean... So here's the thing. In, in, in the case of, of Mo and Moan, right? When Moan slapped Mo, that made me uncomfortable. Uh-huh. It made me upset. In the case of in the case of Ween yelling at his at his at his mom and then taking his sister and making her ride on the car against her will, 
Yeah. That made me upset, and it also yeah. made me want to throw something at the screen, right? Yeah, and it was so unrealistic. And or, Yeah, it's unrealistic. And then in the case of Cutie Pie, I just pull my hairs, and I literally want to turn the TV off and just walk away from it. Yeah, but it's an unpleasant story. Yeah, it, it just it annoys me beyond yeah. belief. It's the reason I've been texting you a lot about it, because it just it annoys me so much. Yes, it is very annoying. Yeah. But even though BL has all that toxicity, I still watch. Part of the reason is because I want to see it evolve, because I want to see it moving towards more queer representation and more acknowledgement of queerness and acknowledgement of a queer-centered narrative, I guess. Uh, so that's why I watch, because I'm hoping it will evolve in that direction. I also watch because there are some elements of the story that are still interesting and still good. I would say with Cutie Pie, I'm, I'm, I'm so close to not watching. <laughs> you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm very close to quitting yeah. because I haven't seen anything redeeming about it. But I think that's a separate podcast that we need to do. For me, my last word is um, to say to, to, to storytellers everywhere, not just in Thailand, is to do some self reflection and see if you can understand what we're talking about by toxic masculinity and see if you can eliminate it from when from the types of characters that you create and the reason is it is painful to watch but also it is unrealistic so we are saying that our storytelling has had an illness for a long long time and now we doctors are saying it is time to re-examine our illness and finally kill the germ and be free of it so that we can put more stories in the sperm bank and fewer stories have to be quarantined because they have toxic masculinity. Actually, I was planning on flushing them down the toilet, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to wash that toilet with hydrogen peroxide right after. <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about Cutie Pie eventually. <laughs> Girl, is, there will be a reckoning. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so yeah. Like so ugly we, Pie. We, we could call it Ugly Pie. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to talk about Cutie Pie. But, yeah, so we'll keep an eye for toxic masculinity in this clinic. And spray it. Spray and we'll it. Spray it. We have, like, a special ointment that we can put on it when it looks really ugly. Perfect. And if not, yeah, we just flush it down the toilet. You know, that's what we do here, so. <laughs> well said doctor so anyway well i'll see see you guys next time thank you for listening to this episode of the bl clinic we'll see you next time until then keep watching bl and support your actors but please don't obsess too much that's right remember to be a fan but not infatuated so we hope you enjoyed our work and we'll see you back in the clinic cough cough <laughs>